right, good evening. Welcome to another edition of Card Authority, episode 34. 34's right. We're back on a Tuesday night here as well. Card Authority HQ. Of course, joined by my sparring partner, the one and only Jankovic, AJ2. How are you, sir? I'm very, very well. Pleased to be here on a Tuesday. It's, uh, it's It feels like it's been too long, so I'm... Uh, Really excited to get back into it and get some good conversation flowing. Absolutely. So big hi to Wade, Steve, Kevin, Crispy. How are you? Hope you guys are all enjoying. Thanks for joining us tonight. All right. Uh, it certainly has been a big day, Richo. It's been a big week. Um, as we all know, Prestige has come out. G'day, Mason and Robert. Prestige released last week. Select brought it forward a couple of days. Well, ironically, I think today was supposed to be the actual release day. It was. Yeah, it was, yes. Right. Jacob, Pete, how are you? Mitch, Dave. Good day, everyone. Hey, Mason. Hey, Robert. So, look, as we know, yes, yeah, Select Prestige 2022 came out a week early, which was a fantastic surprise, not only for all us punters that want to rip packets, but us as retailers. Um, it has been fantastic. Um how do you how do you feel like the first week has gone uh it's been big it's been fast pace um i suppose for you and i we've been very busy with with certain aspects of, of what we do in terms of cards um no chops wade <laughs> um it, it, it's been ferocious I, I think the the model now and how the product's getting out to people and how quickly it's getting out to people has really been demonstrated to the to its biggest degree yet yep. this time around. Like, how, how much do you think has been open? 50%, something like that. I think 50 to 60% is probably the range. And I think, like, the volume and the frequency of cards coming out, we're seeing it at an individual level. So, you know, you've got all those SEC orders. That's a 1,000 people with at least one box. Yep. It's fair to say most of that thousand people have another between two and four boxes yep. on top of that, yeah? And it looks like most people are opening all or at least half of what they've got. Yep. So just at that level, we're talking probably two to 3,000 boxes that have already been opened. Out of a run of like 8,400. 8,400's a yep. run. And then you, then you start to look at the breaker's contribution to the speed and the ferocity and yep. how ferocious it is of how much stock's being opened there's you know it, it's clear as day to everyone including us who not only run breaks but participate in a lot of yep. other breaks there are more breakers right now for this product than we've ever seen before in afl and it's not a bad thing the market will move in different ways and market forces will come into play and we'll see things probably balance out a little bit over time yep. but the result of that is a huge huge volume of cards are getting opened up super quick at the moment so explain for people that perhaps are newer to the community what would have happened three or four years ago would we have seen the same amount of stock open so no, quickly so three or four years ago firstly three or four years ago releases are not selling most releases aren't selling out at all and if they are it's over a period of a few months you know dominance 2019 is the first one for me that comes to mind that sold out within a couple of months from memory sort of thing yep. and that was a big deal at the time and uh, and you know it's also a different era there was breaks around but not at the same scale as what they are now so you might have two or three breakers that between them are knocking through you know between a box and a case a day from release day onwards yep 
and, and that sort of just consistently goes. I, I would hazard a guess that at the moment, if you added together what everyone's doing, all the break pages on a daily basis, there's probably what, 50 to 100 boxes getting done a day. Yeah, okay, that's probably a fair yeah. assumption. Yeah, uh, now that I think uh, about it, uh, you're right. Uh, yeah. As opposed to 10 or 12 boxes. Yep. So I would say the volume of breaks right now for this release in particular over the last seven days is 10 times what it was four years ago. And that's a reflection of the demand within the market. And now that I think about it, something I noticed a couple of days ago when we looked on eBay, there were 3,800 plus listings. Yeah. And obviously there's a small portion of that and that's active listings. So that's not counting what has been sold. Um, but the amount of people that are either getting cards up on eBay from their personal or their resellers or their rebuying boxes or yeah. whatever it is, clearly, um, ferocious is a great word that there is a ton of stock that is getting opened up and i'm sure as we've said many times that's exactly what select want they want the product yeah. opened yeah and i think for collectors having so many cards available to well, them you've got instant instant access to cards yeah. and you know the, the the topic of okay then the cost of cards things being overpriced underpriced it's a whole separate topic it's it it, it goes hand in hand with the speed and volume of stock being opened, but it just means people need to be more conscious of how buying and selling waves work and when cards are going to hit the market. You know, a good example is- Well, hang on, so put a pin on that. Yeah. Obviously, guys, please, if you've got any questions tonight, shoot them through. We'll try to answer them as they come through. Yeah. But I knew, I know in the direction you're about to head. So we obviously do forecasting here with our prices. Yeah. We try to have a good gauge on where things are going to come out and where they're going to land. Yeah. Has this been a typical release with prices coming out hot, cold as they are? Explain again to perhaps people that yeah, are a bit okay. newer to it. So, so, you know, we're not going to give out the proprietary information, obviously, but we put together pretty substantial spreadsheets. When a checklist becomes available and the ratios become available at select preview time for each release, we then go ahead and we, we, we build a few different spreadsheets around that. And those spreadsheets help us forecast what we think the prices of cards will be at a point of what we'd call the settled range of cards. Yep. Not where there are at the beginning and not where they are when there's a huge dump off, but where they will start to sit over a medium to long-term period. And what sort of time period do you think that would be? So I think the numbers we look at is where are the cards going to be in eight to 12 weeks time yep. after the date of release, because that will be the settled range until they real certain things dry up. And of course, there's always going to be outliers here, particular players, certain subsets, certain type of teams and everything like that. The cards at the moment, for the most part, across the board pretty much, are above our forecast range, yep. especially on the low end of the release. Um, most of that's sitting well above our settled range at the moment. There's certainly things that are undervalued. And when we say undervalued and we talk about where we come up with the forecasting, we look at a number of factors. One really important one being historical data around the same types of releases or similar releases or similar types of cards and subsets. So production numbers, serial numbering, all that sort of stuff. And then we also take a measurement of the participation rate in the current market. And we have a formula that then dictates to us based on genuine market supply and demand, so the real market forces, where it's where, where the card should basically sit. Great. Well, I think, look, the first question straight over yeah. here from Tim Upton. I'm a little concerned, underwhelmed with the week one secondary market prices, particularly the greens being numbered to 60 and a staple in the hobby. Um, Tim, I would actually say that the greens have come out really strong. 
just to give a little bit of an example, say as a, I guess, a Richmond collector, you know, a few years ago, I remember buying my first Prestige 2020, 21, 20, 21. And that was felt like such an expensive card. And most other greens at the time were fifty to hundred dollars max. That's right. Yeah, max. And then next, the following year, they came out at about five, six hundred dollars straight out of the gate. Yeah. And you could get most Richmond greens for about seventy, eighty dollars. They ended up drying up and becoming a lot more expensive. This year, Dusty Green, for example, has come out at six hundred to seven hundred, and dust and normal Richmond greens are. 100, 120, 150. I feel like last year, after two weeks, Richmond Greens were running at 250, 300. Yeah, there were a few factors there. There was there was certainly a couple of people that were trying to acquire a lot of them, which yeah. certainly shrank the supply very quickly. Yeah. Um, but overall, I think the Greens have actually come out a lot hotter this year. You know, you're not seeing the $20, 30 $40 Greens that we've seen in the past. Yeah, or even like the $15 ones in the past. But oh, look, yeah. I still think that time is coming. I think, oh, it's more it's more stock open. Yeah, absolutely. As more gets opened, yeah. and that's the thing. The less desirable teams, we're ultimately, you know, we've talked about in the past. AFL cards are different to most other sports cards because they're ultimately it's underpinned by team collectors. We absolutely acknowledge, and we've talked a lot about it. Yeah, the the marketplace and the hobby is completely changing in terms of collecting style, due to the participation rate has increased. Therefore, demand for cards has increased dramatically. That forces the prices and the values of cards up. Natural market forces at play. Because of that, it changes the way that people collect. So can and I just... Yeah, we're seeing that shift into player collecting or specific subset collecting. So a well. question here from Brent. Yeah. Only fairly new to this, but it feels to me the classifier yes, are undervalued. Absolutely. Personally, one of the nicer looking cards in hand in both this release and footy stars. Yeah. Absolutely. When we were doing our forecasting, we don't really understand how the classifieds are not aligned or very close to what the greens yeah, are. Uh, yeah, green, right. that people do have a sentimental attachment to the greens, yep. but really the classifieds, in my opinion, are a better looking card, yep. numbered exactly the same. Yeah, less, uh, less volume in total player representation. Well, I think it's 150 versus 163, yep. but there's still a box here and they're all star players. Yeah. So that card is definitely a sleeper. And, and look, you know, we don't put, you know, we wing these uh, podcasts. We like to run these off the cuff as much as possible. But obviously, yep. we both have a laptop in front of us and we have a couple of little notes. And I certainly have my notes here for Prestige, classified, undervalued. And I've yep. got that underlined in my notes here. There's no doubt about it. And I think a lot of people recognize that. You will see the impact of that in seven to ten days' time, where yep. they'll be really hard to find all of a sudden. Agree. And the prices on those surge. Um, going back to the greens, I think that there are some greens that are undervalued against the historical market, and there's a few factors at play there. But there's also there's also ones at the moment that are that are right up above the starting prices and the starting. So, can I give another yeah. example of something that I've noticed yeah. and? Perhaps, again, this might be something to people that are have come in in the last 12 months. Certain cards and certain players can be hoarded and bulk collected. Um, and a really good example of that is Christian Petrarca last year. Yeah. It was a heavily in-demand card. Yeah. You couldn't pick one up for less than about $350, $400, $500. Now, this year, they're not being hoarded the same way. You can pick it up for $150 to $180. Yeah. Um, 
good question from Jacob. We're going to touch. I'll I'll swing back to your question in two seconds, Jacob. Um, so just you know, don't get swayed by oh that Petrarca was five hundred dollars last year. It's only two hundred dollars this year. There must be something wrong. I would argue for a Melbourne Green, mm. the Petrarca has actually come out really quite hot. You know, at one hundred and fifty to one hundred eighty dollars without it being hoarded. That is still, you know, that's selling for more than most Richmond Greens. Yeah, are. look, I still think, I think the Petrarca Green is, an, is is one of those outliers that we do talk about. And I, I, you know, sorry to the Melbourne people, but I see that card going back up to that 400 range. Because because someone who has... Well, they're just going to thin out. ...an affinity for that player. But I think it's more than one person yeah. has an affinity for it. Absolutely. But, and, and I think we're and seeing... They're, they're going to win the flag we're in seeing this year. More that, as people are deciding to lo no longer major set collect or let's say full-scale team collect every card and every subset, yep. they're happy to do multiple of the things that they really like yep. and that's where we set that, that's where we're seeing the playing field for cards is, is changing there's no doubt about it where the, the spread is starting to thin out now it's yep. there's a lot more cards with a lot higher demand and therefore leaving a lot of cards that the demand has dropped off as opposed to level demand because people were team set collecting yep. or master set collecting yep. so it's no longer oh I need all nine of the greens for my team. Look, for me, it's different because I still team collect, but other people are definitely in the mindset now, I don't need all nine for my team, but I love Petrarca or I love Clary or whatever, yep. so I'm happy to try get nine of those. Yeah, know? absolutely. And all of a sudden, three people do that, and you've got half the half the, half of them gone. Yep. They're gone. So Jacob made a good question point here, and this is actually one of the talking points we were going to cover today. Frio GWS Gold Coast will always be so undervalued. Yes, but at the end of the day, as we've been saying for on this podcast for a couple of years now, the market dictates the price and the demand for a card. Yeah. And while there is still fundamentally not as many team set collectors for those teams, and, I think and masters, master, and I think master, master set collectors, master set collectors is what we're seeing the impact yeah. of right now. The team set thing hasn't fully kicked in yet. But, but, we're but, but, there, but there still isn't as many. No, Fremantle but, but collectors the if only, as there is if Richmond. There's, if there's sub-10 Fremantle collectors yep. and the, the lowest print run card is going to be 40, well then, you know, pure demand and, and economics are going to dictate that those cards are never going to be as valuable as a big Victorian club, sure. which has a huge collector base. Yep. You know, yes, we see some players, Gary Ablett and things like that, and Buddy which again, they're outliers in that sense, but yep. from a general perspective, and it, it's interesting, I actually lost thought of that for a little while. And then Wade Stevens, who uh, an avid listener and viewer of the show here, who I'm yep. sure is on the stream at the moment, I saw a, a low number, uh, it, was a, it was a low number Tom Green um, Virtuoso today, listed for like $80. Yep. And I couldn't tag Wade, and I messaged him a screenshot, I was like, oi, 80 bucks, 80 bucks. And he was just like, oh yeah, you know, oh, I'm cool. I was just like, yeah, but it's 80 bucks. Virtuoso, number to 50, low number. Yep. And that player apparently is pretty hot at the moment. And he was just like, yeah, mate, but it's still like GWS. There isn't enough people lining up who want those cards. And I was just like, yeah, thank you for reminding me something that I, you know, I, I knew that, but I needed to be Can reminded. Can I segue to a, a comment that Kat Kernan has said? And as you've heard me say many times, Kat is a very, very wise woman, very smart. She said, Frio Virtuoso SIG is outselling Geelong and others based on eBay sales. And she was surprised to see that. 
this is another side of the coin where there's certain collector bases from certain teams that simply don't want to spend money on cards. Yeah. And Geelong is certainly one of those collect and there's no judgment or criticism. Well, well, St Kilda used to be and like St. Kilda that. used to be like yeah, that. Melbourne used to be like that as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah. And Geelong collectors, where perhaps there isn't as many as you think there would be being a Victorian I think club. That, I think there's a perception that there's a million Geelong collectors, yep. but there isn't. Yeah. I, look, there's probably yeah. only a, a handful that I can think of yeah. that are actually team master set collectors. So do you then combine that with Frio has got some good on-field performance taking place at the moment? Yeah. You know, on-field performance directly correlates with fanaticism, within, which then co correlates with merchandise and trading cards collectability. Yeah. So are we seeing there that... The lack of support for Geelong and the increased support for Fremantle at the moment, you're yep. seeing the direct result play out on eBay right now. Maybe. I also think too, and I'm going a little bit off topic here, but I think the Virtuoso SIGs, the real value in those SIGs is the rookie players. I think the, the, the senior player and the rookie player, because they've obviously got two yeah. SIGs, I think people want Caleb Sorong. I think people want... Um, Martin from Essendon. Yeah. I think people want CJ from Hawthorne. Yeah. I don't know how much driving force it is for Warple or for Tom Hawkins or David Mundy. It's, it feels oh, like it's look, the oh, I still think they do. The SIGs are... Uh, the, the whole virtuoso SIGs thing is, is a bit of a conflict in my own mind at the moment because I'm really struggling with the pricing of these. Like, we forecasted how we forecast our formulas, but I'm still really struggling with the psychological aspect. There's a... There's a real disconnect at the moment that the virtuosos in footy stars were numbered to 70 and these are numbered to 50. Forget about the six, the the, the normal virtuosos. Yep. Uh, I'm, the pricing at the moment is really strange what's going on, Yep. to say the least. Yep. Well, this might tie in nicely with this question here from Dan Dixon. Do you see the box prices going up? Will they stay around the 250 mark on the secondary market? Um, I would say that 250 is probably about right. Um, to give it a bit of perspective, last year, boxes were $140 retail. Yeah. At their peak, they were sort of selling for $300, $320. There's yeah. a couple of outliers. Yeah. But generally, that was the price you could pick them up six, eight weeks later. I think the boxes came out super hot today or super hot this release. Um, box price only increases when... A, the value of the secondary market pushes up of those cards because yeah. people are chasing them, yeah. or the breakers can break them at a higher price. Yeah. A lot of the breakers are breaking around $300, $320 a box. Yeah. It can't really move much higher until the break price moves higher. It's yeah. kind of a little bit chicken in the egg. Yeah. So 250 I don't see them getting any cheaper than that. No, they're, um, not, they're not going to drop. They're never getting it cheaper. Yeah. Um, and as, as supply dries up, it's it's going one direction. It's, it's, it's but, a do, but, say, but do I think they're going to go to 300 350 400 Not anytime soon. I think, yeah. I think it moves to 300 eventually. Yeah. But it's really hard for a product to double in price. And let's look at Supremacy as an example. Yeah. The hottest product that they've ever done that you can still now buy for fourteen hundred dollars, which is double retail. Yeah, you know, and that has hits that can get you multiple times the value of your box. Yeah, I don't see the same upside with Prestige, prestige. Yeah. for suddenly that box to exceed much past the three hundred dollars. Yeah. Well, I think the, the key to Prestige is the amount of numbered cards you get. 
Yep. Um, and this is obviously something that, that for the first time ever, every packet is produced, it get, gets a numbered card. Yep. Because the cards that were not previously numbered have been numbered. A lot of opinions on this can that go all, all, all directions. I have a very strong opinion that I very much support this. I always wanted to see things like game breakers and milestones numbered, even if the numbering was really high, just to give some sort of excitement and interest. And I think the reality is, and I would find it, I'm, you can let me know in the comments, guys. But to me, part of the, the enjoyment of breaking this particular product is every packet has a potential surprise in it. Yep. Everything's got something numbered, and we know the numbers mean different things to different people. Sure. And we also know that low numbers in the open market are worth more money. Jumping numbers, all this sort of stuff. I love the fact that as someone who opens a lot of product, you're not then left with a giant pile of inserts that are worth zero, basically, or 20 cents. They're, they're worth so little that you end up using them as packers in your mail when you send out your other cards. So I think as an opening product as an individual, but also from a breaks perspective, it's, and because of the price point and everything, it's it's fun, it's awesome, yep. and there's some great hits. Are you gonna get cards worth thousands of thousands and thousands of dollars? Unlikely. No. Are you gonna hit lots of cards worth between five and $20? Absolutely. Sure. Are you gonna hit cards that are worth 50 to five, $600? That's, you know, if you do well in the breaks, yes, you are. Yep. But th this is not, this is not that release where you're going to get cards that are thousands and thousands of dollars, but you're also not paying the, the entry point for that either. Yeah, and something, and without going too deeply into, um, again, what we do with our pricing, but something to put in perspective, there's 25 numbered hits in every box. Yeah. 24 to 25. 25, yeah. Even if every card is averaged at $5 per card, yeah. which the average would be higher, but let's just say it is, Straight away there, you're getting $125 extracted value out yeah. of your box. Yeah. That's before, you know, you get good numbers, better players, yeah. and obviously different subsets. So that's something to keep in mind with, you know, perhaps newer people in the hobby are like, oh, well, I didn't hit a Dusty Green or, a, you know, a Petrarca Green. Yeah. I've made no money from my box. There's actually a lot of value in your lower end inset well, that, cards. That, that's the difference. You know, whether it's two dollars, five dollars, yeah. ten dollars, it all adds up. But that's the difference of the evolution of what's happened in the last few years. Is you've gone from that situation where you buy a box and it all depends on the single one box hit that you're getting. Yep. What your situation is at the Which end. Which is what it was. And whether you're someone that says, "Oh, I don't care about the monetary value. Of what comes out? I just want to open it." Well, there's a, there's an emotional tie to it as well. You don't get a good card. You're flat. Yep. You hit a big card, you're like, fuck yeah, I've yep. done, sorry about the language, but whatever. Like, yep. I, I've done, you know, I don't care, even if it's not for my team, I'm doing well here. I killed it. It's a good box. Oh, I got a good box today. What they're doing here now, it, it, it's not all just dependent on that one card. Yep. And like, again, we can talk about dilution. There's an aspect of dilution, adding more parallels and stuff. But seriously, guys, you know, you guys watching this and listening to it, you've opened the product. Tell me it's not better the fact that you're hitting now pinks and oranges and stuff, and it's not just two colours like it was in, in 2020. Or a dead packet. Yeah, or a dead packet, or a completely dead packet, oh, or an unnumbered game breaker. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's... Well, forget about the unnumbered game. Yeah. Just, do you remember, not that long ago, 12, 18 months ago, there were literally packets that had eight common cards. Yeah, eight common cards. There was That's nothing. Like, and how good is it? Like, as a shop, from a retail perspective, and hopefully some of the retailers, you know, like, like Jules and whatnot, who might be on stream here, can attest to it as well. You know, we ha we've had open boxes on the shelf 
uh, for people to buy packets. Yes, there's been limits, whatever, but every packet, there's a smile and there's some enjoyment because you know yep. there's a numbered card coming here. It could be anything. Yep. Now, worst case scenario, it's going to be a game breaker. But even if it's a game breaker, imagine who's who, who's the player. What's the number of the yep. card going to be? Absolutely. It's just it's fun. Yep. It's fun. So you talked a little bit about dilution. And yep. look, I don't want to go too further back, but obviously footy stars and prestige are tied hand in hand. Yes. It's effectively a parallel version of prestige is a parallel version of footy stars. Yeah. I love prestige. Everyone knows that. Do you think perhaps it's run its course now that it's got to a critical mass point now with so many inserts, so many parallels, which for all the reasons that we've talked about is being good. Do you think it's perhaps a time to have a look at shaking that up next year and not doing footy stars prestige and trying something oh, different? My, my opinion is, my personal opinion is, it, it's at the point, it's hit the peak. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I feel like uh, probably a lot of people will agree with this. Footy stars exceeded where it could go. Yep. It's gone to that point of dilution. And I don't think it's anything significant. And I know some people make it out like it's a, you know, oh, the prices have crashed and stuff. And they certainly haven't. Like there was a period of time four or five weeks ago where there was a huge lull in the footy stars market, but there has been a huge bounce back. You know, we'd be one of the biggest eBay stores for that particular product. And we can attest to it that over the last few weeks, and even stars, right now, footy Four, stars yep. is moving in volume and in price. But I feel like it's hit a point where you can't do anything else to it that's going to make it better or only actually make it worse at this point. Yeah. And it's time to move on to something. Because they can't, they can't wind it back. That's right. You can't wind it back now because yep. it, it causes problems going in the other direction, both at a criticism level and at a market level. Uh, and expectation. And expectation. But yeah. I, I think clean slate, start fresh. You know, again, I don't know if there's the ability to, to, to you know, do that how far in advance. Well, what did they like do that before footy stars? About. Well, champions. And they would have had that for seven or eight years as well. Yep. Like, footy stars have been there since 2016. But again, the whole thing is that, like, to me, prestige is tied directly to footy stars. Yep. So to me, I almost feel like it could be coming to the end of an era of footy stars and, and the parallel set of prestige. It is only three years old, but what more can you do to it? Yep. You've added six to it for the first time. Like you, you can't because if you keep going, you take away all the good stuff that you can do in series two, in a yep. true series two, or what you do in your other bespoke releases, your supremacies and your brilliances and things like that as well. Yep. And, and you're just constantly then trying to chase you're trying to keep going up the mountain where, yeah, I think for footy stars and prestige, it's reached the top of the mountain and it's time. Let's, let's see something different. Do you think that in time, and again, you know, we haven't talked about this, but could prestige end up being its own standalone release without footy stars? Yeah, but I see, I don't see it that way because I see it as a, it, it's there for, as a, as a specific item. It's, it's a parallel set of footy stars. It's like a hobby product. This year, it seems a bit different because it was Jumbo. Yep. So Jumbo felt like the hobby product for footy stars when it's not. The hobby item for footy stars is essentially prestige. It has it now gone into its own new thing? Well, it feels like it's become, yeah. it's Because I don't see too many people calling yeah, it like, footy stars well, prestige. No, prestige. It's, it's, yeah. it's its own brand. It's yep. its own brand. And I, again, that can start to take away from things like Series 2. Like even at this point, Series 2, 
talking about a product that's going to be you would expect almost double the rrp so double the price point yep but it's point of separation that series two had in the last two years over prestige which i call 1.5 is it had signature cards in it yeah so if there's now been signature cards in footy stars and and prestige well the consumer such as us and the collector expectation is well if i'm paying more money for the next release what's going to be in it that's going to satisfy me and we know how human nature works inherently humans are, are, look for the worst and the most negative aspects of things so we hold things to a very high standard and as a result of that where the expectation is going to be really high and i'm sure they're going to deliver and they, they they've done it in the past i'm sure they'll do it again but it all starts with your first release because that impacts what happens down the line as well do we find do we think that perhaps uh with us as collectors have almost pushed ourselves into this situation that we want more we want more we want more and there's really a limit of what you can put into a packet you know people want more parallels they want more numbered cards yeah they want more signatures things like that you know again this is the sort of the pullback or wind back do we need to have a little bit of a reset where they're like cool next year's product is called x yeah and it goes back to a couple of years like footy stars where there is only a couple of numbered cards per box maybe some different predictors or something like that and it winds back to then be able to reset things for future releases. I, I don't think it should wind all the way back because I think the reality is the releases we see are based on the condition of the market. The market is what's demanding it. The publishers aren't going to go produce all these cards that aren't going to sell. Like they're doing yeah, it to true. service a market, not to create the market. I think that's what we need to be really conscious of. It's not like the publishers select in footy, in, in footy cards in Australia. They haven't gone and created this situation of the frenzy that exists right now the frenzy and the demand is there yep. and they're doing what they can to service it and i i think if you step too far back it takes the demand away so as much as you can go too far forward and you start to you, you hit a point of critical mass and it takes away the demand and it takes away the, the ability for people to co collect or flip or speculate whatever it is i think if you dumb it down too much as well you take the value out of a product it, it all of a sudden a, a big chunk of the marketplace starts to disappear yeah so question here from wade and i'm sure he's trolling me a little bit here do we all want more at this early stage jeffries or just some of us um i think if you ask a hundred people whether they want more cards or less cards i feel like the overriding percentage is going to be more yeah yeah fundamentally you want more but you only want to spend the same to acquire the more sure yeah everyone's budgets have had to go up to collect cards like what it costs to do not just a set but annualize like what everyone is spending annually on cards and doesn't matter if you're a freeo collector or a richmond collector you are spending more money now than what you were previously because there are more cards, but on a card-by-card -card basis, for the most part, they're more expensive. And again... But is that a bad thing? No, it circles back yeah. to the beginning of the episode and the beginning of the conversation where we talked about adjustment and how people are making adjustments accordingly. Your budget and what you're prepared to spend or, or can spend on cards has to be aligned to what you're collecting or, or your intent is, I suppose. And do you think that that, you know, does that get people into a... Um, a tricky spot like you know obviously we we see all different walks of life in collecting at the moment yeah but 
do you think that it's getting to the point where people are, and I saw Kevin Woodford just used a word there, exhausting. Yeah. You know, do you think people are exhausted or that's a small minority? Well, no, I think like you and I are probably a good example. You almost say, you know, we don't mind going out and getting cards and spending a bit of money and going pretty hard to, to you know, achieve our collections, whatever. We're fatigued. Yeah. E everyone's fatigued. There's no doubt about it. Well, where are you with but, your sets? Well, see, well, that's the thing. My footy stars set is incomplete. But Footy Stars to me has always been a release. You don't do it straight away. You let it pan out over the course of a year and you pick up the cards as you need to. Yep. My prestige is, well, you know, we're week one. I've been cooped up in this place for a week already. All yep. I've got is the cards that have come so far in the mail from breaks and, and whatnot. And I've obviously have a bunch of stuff inbound, but it, it, it's overwhelming. But again, like I'm going to bring that back to. I think that starts and finishes with the first release for the year because that starts to set the tone. Yep. We came off a really heavy supremacy. Like 2021 was 20, 2021, yeah. in my opinion, and I've said it before, it's an anomaly year. Yeah. You will look back in history and there will never be a year again of AFL cards where there were so many releases and so many high-end releases with high-value stuff going on. Yep. But by the end of 2021, we talked about how everyone was fatigued. We were fatigued. We're looking forward to a break here, and then Series 1 is going to come out. It's going to be pretty cruisy, pretty easy. Get your team set done for a grand, 500 bucks, whatever it is. Yep. Then we've found that, okay, footy stars, it's been fun and exciting, and I love the fact that I have all these amazing cards in my collection, but it's been taxing both at a time level and at a, at a financial level. So comment here from Marty Davis, who yeah, so obviously is one of the, you know, the longer-term signature, always got one of the best collections I've ever seen. Um but if we step back, does that leave more for the kids, et cetera, to introduce them to the hobby and build the next generation of collectors? Long-term, it might be better for the hobby overall if no one in terms of adult collectors care. I Look, I kind of agree to disagree a little bit. Um, I think what they're trying to do, clearly Slack were not happy footy stars sold out in a week last year. This year, they've produced more of it you can pretty much go and buy it anywhere still. Yeah. You know, whether it's a servo, whatever. The Series 1 product should be available. So I don't yeah. think I don't think it's a situation of getting more kids involved. I think kids can go and buy product now. But, I, I, but kids, I, aren't, kids aren't buying supremacy, what? though. You heard me. I'm going to contradict myself from five minutes ago because Marty's actually given me the other, the alternate perspective here, which I needed to be given, and especially as someone who has children and especially one kid that, full-on collects trading cards, right? Yep. And I got back into cards because of that child. I went to look for, ironically, some team coach cards and then came across Select. And I got drawn into Select as an adult, but the reality is my kid is one of very few kids that has Select footy cards and, and yep. footy stars cards. And, and that's the reality of it. And I think Marty's actually making a really good point here, and it's it, it definitely is impacting in real time right now my perspective on the matter. That but is it and or, or is it, it both? It, footy, it, it's footy stars this year. If you're a child, it, 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 what do you collect? Like outside of doing a base set, what is realistic that your mum and dad who get you a couple of packs every time they go to the servo, they're at the supermarket. So let's say you're a, your average kid getting five packets a week at best or something like yeah. that. W what do you collect? How do you, how can you collect it? Yeah, good point. How can yeah, you collect it? It's a $3 a packet product that's designed for the mass market where initial consumption is probably at a children's level. 
The thing is, though, cards are... But would a team coach be guilty of that as well? I think that's what team coach does, that they're there for... Team coach is, a, is for kids. It's primarily for but kids. But it's the same price. They, they have multiple insert levels across. Sure. You know, I, I think gone are the days where you can have easily obtain those sets very yeah. quickly. But, but I suppose we want the introductory model for those kids to, to be into the select side of things as well. You and I both understand it a good amount about licensing, the limitations of the licenses sure. between the different card brands. So we know that, for example, you know, team coach, they can't have signature cards. They can't have the serial numbered cards. They're a gaming product that is primarily targeted at, at the mass market. Select is collectible. They are collector cards. Yep. They can do things that put them into category of collectible. But how do you how do you how do you get you know what is the feeder? What is the feeder for children to involve themselves in cards yeah, okay. to then retain them over the lifespan of it? And that's okay, a, so it's like with any industry. No, I, yeah, I think it's a valid any, point. Any industry. But then do you think last year when Footy Stars was a lot more obtainable product, us, the hobby, interested. No, but hang on, the hobby yeah. market, are we guilty of trying to turn Footy Stars 2021 into a hobby product? But we're responsible. When I say we're responsible, I'm not talking about us as a business. Sure, we would make... No, I'm talking the hobby yeah, market. We, we make yeah. contributing factors as a business because we're, we're facilitators at a level. So there's no yeah. doubt about that. But ultimately, as the businesses, whether they're retailers, breakers, whatever it may be, they're driven by consumer demand. Sure. The businesses don't create the demand. They service the demand yeah, that's agree. already there. Agree. So absolutely, us and our hunger as collectors and as individuals and speculators and flippers and everything else in between, our demand for the cards and our appetite for the cards is what's actually is what drives the publishers to release the product that they create and created in that way, and we have to look inwards at ourselves because if we're not happy that the kids can't access it anymore, well, we're the ones that are fueling that and creating that situation. So then, does Select need to go and make a model of Footy Stars that again winds it back that doesn't have? Low print run, low serial yeah, number. And that's why I'm saying I'm contradicting what I said 15 minutes ago now. Yeah. Because you're probably right. It does need to actually be stripped all the way back yeah. in order to make it collectible. But at the same time, how, how do you just get kids to come into it after for so many years, it hasn't been their focus? You know what I mean? Like what attracts the children, what attracts kids with their colourful stuff and certain type of things like the Starburst that you dislike, that I actually them. like, but that's what's going to drive away collectors. You know what I mean? So there's got to be there's got to be a balance. I don't you know I don't think we have the answers. I think collectively the community has the answers. Because I kind of feel like if they release a product that has less collectible nature for adults or the hobby market, yeah, targeted to the kids. Well, the reality is the kids are just not going to buy enough yeah. of it. Uh, sorry, you know? Wade just said, I think Select are doing an amazing job considering the, the diversity of the market. And we absolutely agree. And, you know, our praise for, for them and what they've done over the last couple of years, especially in terms of adjusting to the market conditions and servicing that market is, you know, we have as high praise as anyone does. Lee, I suppose we're just spitballing here as to Lee, Lee, what I've, can happen. I've brought this up to you before. Why don't Select bring back the stickers? 
and the sticker books. And we've talked about this. Yeah. Why don't they do it? Because I presume That's they've a still got a license. Yeah. Isn't that a great way to fill a void to get them to transition from team coach or rocks or whatever they're doing yeah. into the select pool? But stickers was the thing that I did yeah. when I was a kid. Like when I was when I was younger and they had those stickers and before it was select, there were these other ones and you got, yeah, it was tied in with the newspapers and stuff, but there'd be so many different ways to do it. But that's the thing because for kids, it's collecting isn't what the kids are doing. Yes, technically they're collecting these things, but they're trying to put together stuff in, it's not a, about in value. a fun way. It's not about it's value. Not about value. Yeah. And it's not even necessarily about completing something large. You yeah. know what I mean? It's It's... Yeah, I like that. I think maybe that is the bridging point there, actually. Oh. So you don't have to tear the guts out of a Series 1. You can still keep it, and those kids maybe that are 12 to 17 are the ones that still have capacity to collect properly a Series 1, yeah. but those kids much younger, like our age sort of, sort of kids, are under 10. Yeah. The way to do it is with, with something like stickers. My, I don't know. My like, kids love stickers, apart yeah, from it. Same. Them, sticking the shit fucking everywhere it shouldn't be yeah um they love stickers like you know oh marty's actually giving up marty maybe we've got to get you in the marketing department it's like <laughs> jank's hiring two dollars a packet for 10 stickers no brainer for a kid and easy in a way to finish a sticker book back in the day you could sense like 30 dollars or whatever and buy the last ones you needed i mean jank's you won't select can let's, you uh let's do it let's do it look i'll be honest like you know we're pretty confident the people, know, from select, the people from select the big people at select grant copley i believe you know watches our show from time to time and listens in yep. and i think again that's why i say collectively as a community these publishers are there to service the needs and the requirements and because ultimately we all talk with our wallets or with our afterpay or our credit cards or whatever it may be so and again look you know Again, this is certainly not a doom and gloom thing. This is a great open discussion. And thank you, everyone, for your input. Um, I think all of us, you know, we all want this hobby to continue to grow for collecting purposes, for our um, value of our collections, for entertainment, all these sorts of things. Finding a way to grow the community and provide a feeder program into it yeah. only helps all of us short-term long-term well, the, the, you know. and that's right in the same way that a lot of us and especially those who are master set collecting go back now to find cards from the 90s that you need for, for your select sets from the 90s it will be no different in 15 years time or 20 years time to those kids that are five to ten years old today kevin woodford's just made a comment here they and reply to the sticker comment they are not cards so no place in my set that's perfect. perfect. That's what you want. Absolutely perfect. Because what we want is the someone mindset like, of you don't need to collect those because they don't form part of what you're doing. Yeah. But if you want it to be part of it, it can. But fundamentally, so you, it's not designed. So fundamentally, that, you can't yeah. go out and get every single Jack Steele sticker yeah. because you don't want them in your collection. Yeah. It's not that there's anything wrong with it, but it's got select branding. It can be select album, book, whatever. Mm. Include one card in the stickers, whatever. Whatever it may be. But it seems like, you know, and Kevin, you've absolutely endorsed exactly what I think we're all trying to achieve here. So um, that's great. Marketing's working. All right. Let's move on because let's, let's uh, move on. we're already at 50 minutes. We always love a chat here. Um, obviously, this week we have been talking, and I guess this goes to a little bit of cardboard school, 
Um, we did do a little video about how to get the best results in sending your redemptions to Select. Select obviously have a high amount of redemption cards now and it's a trend that's moving through. I think probably a little bit of a, a side effect of COVID yeah. and also um, I think the redemption process is good probably for their marketing and databasing and all that kind of yeah. stuff. You picked up something this week that you wanted to give us a little bit of a cardboard school lesson to perhaps yeah. remind some of the old boys and also old boys and girls, um, but also for people that are newer into the hobby, Absolutely. how they can get better results out of doing yeah. sales posts. Yeah, so what we're going to talk about here, folks, is how to get the best results from Facebook sales posts. So. Again, AJ and I have been pretty busy the last week. We haven't been as active on the Facebook pages and especially the Good Vibes ones and the other trade and sales pages as we'd like to be. But certainly we're noticing a big spread of different types of posts. And there's, if you want to get the best results, not just to upset admin of pages, but actually get the best results for your sales thread, here's a few tips for you guys out there. Firstly, you want to have clear photos of both the front and the back of the cards. So don't take photos through a potato. Yeah, don't do it through a potato. Don't do it glary. Give it some decent yep. lighting, even some sunlight, and make sure people can see all parts of the card. Yep. List the card serial numbers as well as the price in the body of the post, even if you're doing it as a sales thread. So regardless if you're dropping all these cards in as a sales thread individually because you've got so many cards, I'd always recommend putting the details into the body of the post because that's the first thing the person sees yep. when they hit that notification click. Smart. All right. List all your cards in a single post rather than doing it in multiple posts and then continue to bump that thread and update the prices accordingly. And that's for a number of different reasons. One, it's going to make it easier for you in terms of tracking your own sales. It's all going to be in a single location, less searching, less what you need to do. But also it gives you the ability to showcase all your cards that are still available in a single spot yep. once. And it's not gonna it's not gonna you know drift off people's time. And it's easy to manage. It's much easier to manage, absolutely. Yep. Um, if you're trading, give your cards a proper value or list what you specifically want to trade them for. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on at the moment. Here is a big batch of huge cards. I want St. Kilda cards. It makes it very, very difficult, not just for you, but for the people who are trying to trade with you as well. And it ends up being just your inbox fills up full of messages and mostly none of them actually come to fruition. And as Pete began and said, don't shoot the photo from Mars. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> don't shoot the photo from, from Mars. If you're not expecting a specific payment type like PayPal or bank transfer, make sure you specify that in your sales thread. Yep. So many issues come into play after a deal's been done because the person doesn't have the ability to make that payment type. Spell it out, put it in there, chuck it down the bottom. It should be one of the last notes. And of course... The final one and a very important one, always offer both regular and registered tracked postage when you're selling cards. Regardless of the card's value or the final sale price, you should always have that option available for your buyers and it'll give everyone a peace of mind if you go down that path. It makes it really clear when a dispute takes place. The tracking becomes so important and whether someone pays for that or requests it or wants it can be the difference between cards getting lost and refunded or yep. the onus being on the other person. Can I add one thing to sure. what's on your list? Absolutely. And again, we obviously have this going, uh, you know, obviously Adam and I and Pete Buchanan, we're all part of really good vibes, we're part yep. of the admin team there. Yep. But this sort of applies to every group. Um, if you've got a card and you don't know what it's worth or you would like to try to get the most for it and you think the card is worth $100 but you think you might get more for it, 
listed at $150. Put a best offer on. Or best offer. Yeah, that's right. Adding PM offers or send me offers or make an offer is just really shit behavior. It's annoying for people that want to buy stuff. I mean, I don't offer for stuff. Yeah. I scroll past. Yeah. It's a nightmare for the punters that want to buy well, you're stuff. You're getting into a silent bidding war. There's no transparency yep. involved. Yeah. There's no transparency. There's nothing wrong with giving it a ranged price, as you said. Put it at a price yep. and then put all best offer and, and, and let it go from there. And Niles just said, how about cropping and rotating photos when you post them? I mean, absolutely. And again, that's all about trying to present. If you're selling a house, you don't, you know, you tidy that house before you sell it. Make your photos look as good as possible so people can see it and go, wow, I want that card. It's this price. It's going to cost me this much to ship it. Yeah. I'm going to buy it. Yeah. As well as you can be prepared, the easier it'll be. Ty has just asked a question too. Has the maximum number of 10 photos a post changed? I'm not sure about that with Facebook, but what I'd argue, Ty, is if you've got so more than true. if you've got more than 10 photos full of cards your post is probably too big or create a sales thread where you put them in the comments. Absolutely. Um, so, so list them via text in the, in the body yep. and then chuck, chuck the uh, photos into the comments individually. So look, whether you're a good vibes, whether you're a, you know, half a dozen bam nation, wherever, you know, take this on board and try to give yourself the best opportunity to sell the cards you have because yeah, to expose your cards to the biggest and best market. And if you're a buyer, you want to be, you know, make it as easy as possible to go and purchase the cards you need for your PCs. Yeah. Don't draw dicks on Jack Steel cards, <laughs> Lee is saying. That's probably a good point too. Um, but just keep that in mind. Hopefully that helps you get better results with your sales posts. And also it makes it easier for you to go and buy cards Absolutely. as well. But you know what I think is coming up next to finish us off tonight, AJ? What is coming up? The most important thing that you've neglected for several months now. Oh. It's unicorn hunting time and we've got a unicorn to hunt. We do. So for people that are new to Card Authority, unicorn hunting was a foundation part of this show. And, um, you know, life has got a bit busy for us in the last six months. So it probably has dropped a little bit away. But unicorn hunting, there is a section on the Card Authority website. If you've got a card that you're searching for, and when I say searching for a unicorn, it's a term that can be used a little bit liberally. It needs to be a card that you can't just go buy on eBay. Yeah. Or it, can't it was be released just like last week. It's available, but you don't like the price. Like, you it know, can't be like cards that. that are generally a little bit older, maybe a hoarded. They're you heavily can't collected. Find them. You can't find you can't them. Find it's them. a unicorn. It's a mythical yeah, creature. That's right. So, make sure. Big horn. Yeah. So, go and check out the Card Authority website. There is some unicorns there. I probably do need to update that website, but I will do that tomorrow. Um, tonight's unicorn, um, and again, we are certainly happy to help facilitate unicorns. We don't pay for them, but we will certainly help. Um, the card that someone is looking for is a 2019 Dominance Trent Cochin Captain Signature. That is the card. Now, these were a case hit, Case hit number to 50. Um, for example, I only have one of these. 50. Uh, to 50. Number to 50. I don't even have a spare one of these. I remember pulling multiple at the time. Selling off I remember I bought my first one for like $500 and thought I was paying a fortune I for it. I sold them for $500 yeah. at the time. You anyway, you, can't you just can't find them now. So if you have a Trent Cochin Captain Signature number to 50, reach out to us. We will connect you with the buyer who is willing to spend good money on this. It's a card he's been or chasing trade, for a while. Whatever it takes. Or trade. And if there's cards we need to help 
mix in with it to make it happen. Reach out to us and let's get back into landing unicorns. We let's had, see if by the next episode we can land this unicorn yep. for the member. We we had a ridiculous hot streak last year of landing multiple unicorns for people. Yeah. So if you've got a unicorn that you would like, there is a submission form on the website. Please submit your form. Um, or you can send through any of the social channels or message us personally, whatever like that. But let's see if we can track down a 2019 Trent Koch and Captain Signature. If we can get lots of them, I'm happy to buy some. Talking about Richmond, there's one more thing I actually want to mention. Hang on, are you cutting off my unicorn? I'm cutting you off here on Hang on, cardauthority.com.au, unicorn section. Submit one if you have one or if you're looking for one. Yes, So lots of I don't people, think I'm gonna lo like Lots this. of people have unicorns and a lot of them are the same guy. Yeah, that's none other than Dusty. What does it mean? There's a lot of speculation at the moment. Dusty yes. is leaving, is yes. coming to the Saints. Yes. A lot of talk about Dusty going to his his you know childhood dream yep. club of St Kilda. Yeah, actually shows some. So there's a lot of chatter. With a bit of uh, there's a lot of private group chatter going on at the moment. It was brought yep. up earlier in, in a St Kilda chat group. Multiple people brought it up privately with both of us. What does it do to Dusty Cards? Is there an impact? Upside, downside, no side, in between? Uh, look, as a someone who is a Dusty collector, um, and I'm sure you guys all know, I have a Dusty Master Set along with my Richard Master Set. Um, I don't have huge concern for the value of his cards yeah. for a couple of reasons. I think that um, you look at players like Gary Ablett or um, Buddy Franklin, that have been able to change clubs and their value and their demand transcends. Dusty is um, obviously contracted for a couple of years. So, you know, I don't see him leaving that quickly, but there is probably a better than not chance that he does head north somewhere. No, not to Moorabbin, um, up north. Southeastern Moorabbin. Um, no. Um, so do I think, or will I be rushing to go and buy Austin Martin cards and a GWS jumper or a Sydney jumper. I'm not sure at this point, but I think um, you will find just like Gary Ablett cards in Geelong or Buddy Franklin in Hawthorne that the prices should hold. Ah, Andrew Peck just made a comment. Luke Hodges, a Hawk, yeah. you know, his influential in a Hawthorne jumper is an incredibly hard card to find yeah. and has held its value. Um, do I think that it's going to affect drastically? Only time will tell. Wade, hopefully, we'll get Tom Green for him and I'll be ecstatic. Look, as someone who's not a dusty collector, yeah, I think that his collectability, his star power is beyond Richmond. It's not Richmond, it's him. He, it's him. It's all about him. It's not about Richmond. Um, Did, irrespective of the premiership. This is probably a little bit late in the show to go. He's a generational player. Do you think that this now is slowly helping us mature to say a, a US market where people collect Le, LeBron, doesn't matter what jumper he's wearing, there's, there's where no it's doubt. Cavs, look Lakers, at the of, whatever. But look at the amount of people that go for a particular team and then collect players from other teams. Yep. Like it's a big in the last 12 months. It's growing, you know. That's as big now as low number collecting is. Yeah, I agree with that. It, it well, look at Tug Miller. Yeah, well, that, that's you a know. perfect example. Yeah, Tug Miller. plenty yeah, of Victorians exactly right. are collecting Tug yeah, Miller. Exactly. Um, so as much as I know you tried to troll me there a little bit, um, and no, I mean, look, if he goes to St Kilda, which he won't, 
It's going to be the biggest payday of my life because I know Jenks is going to have to buy all my cards. I only do my own team colors. Thank you very much. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, look, thank you very much. Great episode. Jenks, you've been amazing. Thank you to everyone on stream. Your questions have been excellent as always. We will be back probably in two weeks next week. Yeah, we're going to really, really try every couple of weeks. We're going to try a lot harder to to get these out more frequently again. Yeah. as the, the calendar goes on for the remainder of the year. That's right. So, look, if you want to catch up on old episodes, you can check it out on Card Authority YouTube, cardauthority.com.au, and, of course, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that kind of stuff. All the shows will be up tomorrow uh, or slight, maybe after the show. We'll see what happens. Um, but thank you, guys. Really appreciate your input. Jenks, great work. And let's see if we can find a Trent Cochin Captain Signature. 2019 Select Yes. Thanks, guys. Have a good evening and be kind to each other. Ciao.